Welcome to the Graceway Bible Church Podcast, a place to be immersed in teachings from God's Word. Join us as we discover the cast of Christmas, the key players in the story we all know and love. What is special about these groups? Why are they part of the story? Reverends Tom Simcox and Don Schwing will open the Word of God and guide us to understand more about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you would like more information or have any questions, please visit us at www.gracewaybc.org. Come with us now as we open the Word. We're going to, we're continuing on with our message in the cast of Christmas. And this week we're talking about the shepherds. Now, one of my favorite movies growing up was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the Island of Misfit Toys. Is that anybody else's favorite? You guys have other favorites? Charlie Brown's favorite Christmas. One of the reasons I loved, one, sorry about that. One of the reasons I loved Char, uh, Charlie Brown, one of the reasons I loved Rudolph is because he had this island of misfit toys. This is where all the rejects went. So if you're not familiar with the story, if someone made a train and it had square wheels, it went to the misfit toys. Uh, there was the lion with the wings and the polka dotted elephant, and that's probably the only three I remember at the moment. But this is sort of where, where they went. So today we're going to look at this next group in the cast of Christmas. We're going to look at the shepherds. And at the time, 2,000 years ago, the shepherds were considered the misfits of the culture. So let us pray, and we'll get into our study this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for creating this place for us. We thank you for the, all the hard work that went into the cantata and how it's ministered to us thus far this morning. Father, we pray for our message. We pray that um, the words that are spoken minister to our hearts, Father, and you just guide our learning this morning. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. There is really one main account of the shepherds in the gospel, and that comes out of Luke uh, chapter 2. So we're not going to read the entire passage of the shepherds. I'm just going to read Luke 2, uh, verses 8 and 9. And it says here, by the time you get there, I'll be finished. So it's only two verses. Uh, in the same region, so he's talking about where, uh, where Jesus was about to be born. It says, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. When I was a kid, one of the things, when, when, my, when my children were younger, one of the things we loved to do was to take them to petting zoos. And there's just something about animals, I just love being around them, and I joke that I'm actually, I'm a farmer at heart. I don't actually want to do the work, but I appreciate all the other work that everybody does. Uh, but no, even our house, when we moved in, had pigs and goats in them at, at the house. And as soon as we saw it, we're like, this is the house for us. We even have chickens now. We have, what, six chickens now? <clears throat> and we just, we just enjoy sort of working the animals and seeing them provide for us. And when I think of shepherds, there's something romantic about being a shepherd. I know my manger scene growing up, there was the picture of the shepherd. He had the lamb sort of around his shoulders, was caring for it. And I'm thinking, you know, we, only, we have a couple of dogs. I mean, how hard can it be being a shepherd? Um, but when we look at shepherds at the time, they were really social outcasts and religious misfits. I mean, when I think of people caring for animals, I think it's, you know, it's really not all that hard. You know, we have two dogs. You know, one is really nice. The other one, um, well, we have one really nice one. Um, now, we love them both. But really, shepherding had to be the worst job ever. Besides shepherding, it was also husbandry. 
that, you know, we think of Jacob back in the Old Testament. Um, you know, they lived out in the fields in tents, no fixed address, no internet. You know, how much do we complain when the Wi-Fi goes out? Little in the way of hygiene. I mean, they're raising 100, 1,000 animals day in and day out with everything that animals do. I mean, what condition were they in after abiding in the hills for a week or a month? You probably really wouldn't find them mixing with polite company. Uh, and even at the time, they were considered untrustworthy. So when they would come into town, everybody would hold their money sack just a tad bit closer. But they were needed, right? They were needed for wool. They were needed for food. But people really didn't want to see them. It's like they were the first occurrence of NIMBY. You guys know that acronym NIMBY? Not in my backyard. It's like we want what we want, and we want our trash to go away, but we don't ever want to see it. So they were really, you know, they, but they were really necessity. They're really a necessity. And the nature of their work kept them away from normal religious functions. They were constantly unclean. And the amount of time that it would have taken them to become ceremonially unclean, to become ceremonially clean, would have kept them away from their flocks that much longer. And just as the priests wanted them for what they could provide, that was the sacrificial animals, and we see that there's a bit of irony here is that the priests needed them for the sacrificial animals, but really didn't want anything to do with them, right? So, but just as the priests wanted them for what they could do, so did the people. And it gets me thinking, have we ever felt like we were a cog in the wheel? Just in there, just to serve a purpose, and then move on. I mean, how many times at work have we just felt we were about putting in our eight hours and going home, and we never really felt that sense of appreciation? The priests and the people wanted them for what they could provide, but God had something greater in store for them. And this makes, really makes sense to me, given the view that God had for shepherds. We think of the first shepherd in Scripture that was Abel. And how did God view Abel? He viewed him with regard. You think of David. What did God have in store for David, a small shepherd boy? someone that he raised up to be able to destroy and defeat Goliath. You have Moses, after 40 years of living in Egypt, was a shepherd for 40 years with Jethro. And I consider Moses probably the king of the misfits. So after serving as a shepherd, he led misfits through the desert for 40 years. Right? God has wonderful things in store for shepherds. But then how many times do we end up feeling like misfits? Do we feel like the shepherds may be disregarded? Right? Not, not appreciated. You know, I hear in our, in our grace group when we share a bit, and I hear stories of people at work where they just feed this one individual, they just feel chewed up and spit out by their boss. They're there to put in what they put in, and the boss has little regard for them. But it's amazing how much more regard God has for them. But then if we're feeling a bit like the shepherds, how do we respond when God calls us? Do we feel that maybe we're not good enough? We don't measure up because we're maybe one notch down because of how culture treats us. So I wonder if the shepherds asked themselves this, right? The shepherds knew where they were in the, were in the social hierarchy, right? They knew they weren't out there with the elite. But how did they respond, right? They just went. They went when God, when, when the angels called with the glory of God. And really, the shepherds did more than just go to see Jesus, because after they saw Jesus, what did they do? They proclaimed about Jesus' birth. And I think God chose them because they were humble. 
right? God could have chose the mayor of Bethlehem. He could have chose King Herod. He could have chose Caesar Augustus, but he chose shepherds. He chose misfits. So again, I asked myself, you know, why? And I think God, besides wanting humble individuals, he wants individuals that are genuine. He wants genuine individuals to be part of his master plan. And I think at the time there in Israel, obviously we know from Scripture, but there was a leadership problem, right? What was the approach that Herod and the Pharisees had about, um, about Christ? I mean, we'll study Herod uh, next week when Tom speaks about the Magi. God wanted humble individuals to announce his son. But I think it's also important for us not just to look at why God chose the shepherds. I think we need to spend a little bit of time seeing why God did not choose the others. And the one trait I think that runs consistent that we see in Scripture of Herod and the Pharisees was their arrogance. At times in leadership, we can, we can come with arrogance, Right? Um, you think about a time when we've gotten a raise or we've gotten a promotion, right? Sometimes we think, oh, wow, I did something really good. I got rewarded. It's something that I did, right? There's a cycle in leadership called the arrogance cycle. What it is, we're humble, we're successful. After our success, we become arrogant because we're successful, and because of our arrogance, we fail. We become humble again. That's the cycle. Arrogance is the opposite of humility, Right? And we have these leaders there completely arrogance. Arrogance leaves us unwilling to hear others. And in our arrogance, when we experience comfort and success, we forget that those are blessings from God. How many of us have ever been successful at something? I'm sure all of us had. I think a couple of weeks ago when I spoke, I asked, us, I asked did any of us growing up ever want to be a loser? Right now, so we talk about, okay, so we've all been successful at something. At sports, what is, we've all been successful at something. I know, I hear the stories, all right? But sometimes, you know, we think, man, we got this, and then something happens and we get knocked down a couple of pegs. Right? I remember when I was, uh, when I studied karate, Dave Rizaldi, are you here, or are you out there with the ushers? Dave Rizaldi, he's one of our ushers here. Him and I did karate together for a number of years. And I worked my way up, and I, I earned a black belt, and then I earned a first degree. There's Dave right there, he's waving his hand. I earned a second degree. So I worked my way up. I was teaching a little bit, and man, it was so wonderful to get my black belt. I thought I really accomplished something really, really awesome. But when you're not a black belt, the number one thing you want to do is get a couple of hits in on a black belt. So when I was a black belt, then there was this guy that had came in, and man, he just wanted to knock my head off. And after getting tagged a couple of times in the face, I'm like, you know, I'm really not as good as I think I am. So getting knocked down a couple of pegs, it wasn't, it wasn't, it, no, it's not about me. You know, so it's, we need to make sure that we, we understand where our success comes from. And I think that's why, you know, with the shepherds, understanding what their status was enabled them to be used by God. And I think another thing that reveals our heart and where we stand is how do we handle defeat? When that promotion doesn't come, we're not selected for this, or I didn't get the raise as much as I thought I was, how do we respond? Do we respond with anger or bitterness? Or do we respond with, okay, God, maybe that's not, it's not the right time for that. I'll try a little bit harder. How we respond reveals our heart. Uh, two weeks ago, or last Sunday night, when we were, um, we were, we were going through uh, Ezra 4, the beginning of Ezra chapter 4, where the Israelites in the land 
Um, they were not happy, I'm sorry, the Samaritans in the land were not happy that the Israelites were coming back in. And they responded with anger and bitterness. And it revealed that their heart really wasn't about serving the Lord. It was only, only about honoring themselves. And I think this is crucial for us to understand because I don't want to see any of us here miss the opportunity to, be, to serve the Lord because we're too focused on ourselves. We can miss the opportunity to be chosen by God. God wants individuals that have no personal agenda. I mean, the shepherds were out there just serving and doing what they needed to do. The shepherds didn't question why when the angels came, they didn't question why, they just went to go see the child. The shepherds weren't like Herod, as we'll see next week, that wanted to kill the child, and they weren't like the Pharisees that were afraid of losing power. And after seeing Jesus, they just wanted to share about him. And I don't, I don't think it's because they knew who he was because they studied theology and knew the coming Messiah was gonna be in the Davidic line and born in the kingdom of Bethlehem. And I'm sure the angels coming to them played a huge part in the middle of the night. I'm sure if they came to me in the middle of the night, I'd be, oh, okay. I mean, the only thing I hear in the middle of the night right now is Andrew telling me, roll over, you're snoring, right? But seriously, you know, I think the angels coming, obviously, and then coming along, it wasn't just the angels. They were coming with the shining of God's glory around them. They didn't question it. So you have these misfits that never thought to question Guy, why God would send them unclean individuals who the religious leaders wanted nothing to do with. They just went. God presented himself to them, and they were so overwhelmed by his majesty, they just said, yes, Lord, I will go. God, God with, God's glory in coming with the angels is very similar to how God came to Moses, a shepherd, in the burning bush, and how God came through Samuel to David, a shepherd, to individuals to, to, to serve him. So here, God's glory coming to shepherds, tending the flock, directing the shepherds to see the eternal shepherd. What a wonderful circle in God's story. This account is so steeped in irony. First, you have shepherds rejected by men, given the first opportunity to see the Son of Man, who himself will be rejected by men. You have shepherds rejected by kings and priests, here selected by God to see Israel's king. And you have shepherds, outcasts of Jewish religion, relied heavily on by Jewish religion for the sacrificial lamb, here are seeing the final lamb to atone for the sacrifices of mankind. You know, we all struggle with being humble, you know, you know, I'm sorry, we all, we all struggle with being humble because there's all things that we all think that we're best at, right? We all probably think that we're the best dad or the best husband or the best at what we do or the best baseball player or whatever it is. There's things that we all struggle with where we think that we're best, we're best at, but that really only lasts as long until somebody else comes along and sort of resets the standard. But if they don't come along, if we don't have that humbling experience, who do we, re <clears throat> who do we rely on? We gotta rely on the Lord. We gotta know, we must understand where our gifts come from. And by understanding that, that sets the arrogance aside, that sees us in, the, in our proper place in God's creation, sees us as humble servants, and allows God to use us fully. For the shepherds, having the most humble job 
and having humility of heart, I mean, they knew what they were, they had a humble heart, they were positioned for the greatest success in the Lord. Now, for the most of us here, we don't give a second thought to shepherding, right? We're not going out in the field wanting to shear sheep for our wool, and we're not even going to buy wool to turn in the yarn, and we're not buying the yarn to turn it into a shirt. We're just going to the rack and saying, oh, okay, I like this, $20 or whatever, or whatever it is. Or we just go to the store for our meat. So we give no thought to what goes on outside of, outside of um, sort of what we purchase. So for us, it would be like blue-collar, white-collar, right? The shepherds had the dirtiest of dirty jobs. Anybody ever watch Dirty Jobs, Mike Rowe? Yeah, some of the, dirt, so the dirtiest of dirty jobs. And I've had some pretty filthy ones over the years, and I know some of you had. I know some of you have some, some jobs where you're exposed to some uh, pretty unsavory things. But by placing ourselves and setting ourselves in a position of humility, like I said, allows God to use us fully. God had a history of honoring shepherds, like Abel, like Moses, like David. And then ultimately by these shepherds, 2,000 years ago that he chose to see his son. God honored shepherds over kings, right? Because over the kings, he could have presented himself to kings. So God honored shepherds over kings, just like Jesus elevated tax collectors over Pharisees, right? And widows and beggars over the rich. They focused God, Christ, the Spirit, focus on the humble of hearts. And that's really wonderful news for us. That's really wonderful news for all of us, right? especially when we find ourselves amongst the weak and despised in our community. And we go out and serve with Restoring Hearts uh, once a month. Wayne and Nate were out there this past Sunday, a group of us this past Saturday, uh, yesterday, and a group of us are going out on Christmas morning to serve them, the most humble in the community. God doesn't look for the coolest. He doesn't look for the best dressed. He doesn't look for the one that has the most letters after their name or has the best job or has the most money. He just looks for the most humble of hearts. But I think at times in our humility, sometimes we, we, we get hung up on the I'm not or I can't. God's asking me to do this. I'm not qualified enough to do this. God wouldn't have called you to do it if he didn't think that you could do it. Right? Just like the shepherds. The shepherds weren't the most eloquent, I'm sure. Right? But who were the first ones to proclaim who Christ was? The shepherds. Humble servants that God chose to reveal his son. And when God calls us, it doesn't need to be something grand, right? It's going to be something, and we just need to say, here I am, Lord. I'm ready to go. We need to look at our circumstances and realize that God is using them to prepare us to serve him. And we need to understand that the circumstances of those around us, those in the left, in the right, in our pew, those in our family, those that sit across from us in the office, that God is using their shortcomings to glorify and elevate him. You know, the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for a very common verse that most of us know, for it is by grace that you have been saved, not by works. I'm going to shorten here, lest, lest no man boast. And we think of this forward, right? We think of this about our works. You know, we do not believe in a works-based righteousness because no amount of work we could do could ever bring us closer to God. Right? And also, if we also just ended up focusing on our works, and ends up, we end up getting in a situation of boasting, well, I did more than they did, so I must be a little bit closer, and that person over there, and this, it becomes all about you know, trying to elevate ourselves and place ourselves in a hierarchy. It ends up being a competition. 
But the same thing works backwards, right? We, can't, we have to be sure that we don't elevate ourselves because of our circumstance. So if we're in a particularly difficult circumstance, we can't say that I am more equipped to serve because I suffer a little bit more. It's the same thing. It's trying to place our burdens and our struggles above someone else's. That's not for us to say that my suffering means more to more because it's, it's more personal than someone else's. All of our suffering, all of our struggles, all of our humbling situations are all used by God to glorify him. Because if we do that, if we focus in that direction, that our struggles make us more qualified, that's like saying shepherds are more qualified than a tax collector or a former Pharisee to serve God. God used, Christ used all of those in manners to serve him. So to sort of bundle this all together to bring this to a close here, our circumstances are absolutely unique to us, right? No one's going to experience exactly what we experience, right? No one's going to feel the exact same hurt or rejection that we feel in a given situation. But God will absolutely always use it to bring honor and glory to him. Shepherding runs throughout scripture, right? Abel, a shepherd, brought the first gift to God. Moses, a shepherd, delivered God's people. David, a shepherd, led God's people. These shepherds announced God to his people. And Jesus, the shepherd, came as the shepherd to shepherd all of us. And we today continued, continue to shepherd with him. Right? God isn't looking for a smooth exterior. God isn't looking for a smooth ex- exterior. I mean, just look at who Jesus surrounded himself with. Beggars, tax collectors, sinners, fishermen, no smooth exterior here, just humble individuals that wanted to serve. When, they said, when Jesus said, follow me, they just said, yes. God just wants humble hearts. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, Father, we pray that these words that have been spoken, Father, that just get us the opportunity to look at our circumstances, Father. Get us to realize that the challenges and the struggles that we face, Father, are not meant to separate us from you, but they are to draw us to you. Father, it is these humbling situations, these humbling circumstances that allow us to be served, to allow us to serve you. So just as the shepherds here, the humblest of occupations, Father, just as these individuals here were chosen by you as the first to see your son and to announce your son to the world, Father, we pray for opportunities for us here that in our humbling circumstances that we can be used the same. So, Father, as we, um, as we are to receive our offering here, Father, Father, we pray for the offering. We pray for the givers, Father, that this gift be given, Father, just out of a desire to bring you honor and glory. Father, and we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org, and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through his Son, Jesus Christ.